over there, but usually sits there. Um, we've been in RLC for 23 years. We've been ministering for 22 years. And this week, we've been married for 21 years. So, um, absolutely amazing. You know, you got to continue to pray for her because she's got to deal with me every day. So, so um, but I was ordained in December, and a whole lot's happened since then. <laughs> um, things you know about, things you don't know about. But I've learned tons about the church things I thought I knew, things I don't know, things I'm learning every single day as we walk into them. Um, Pastor Gabe and, and Pastor Jeff have continued to sh show me the ins and outs. Um, just so you guys know, Pastor Gabe is not detached from RLC. Um, we speak to him, <laughs> if not two to three times a week. You know, we have FaceTime with him in meetings and stuff. He loves you all and just wants you guys to know that he still is out there praying for and doing work behind the scenes now for what happens here. But um, there's, there's, uh, there are several groups of people that make RLC what it is, all right? If it be the pastors, or if it be the elders, if it be all the little ministries, like the, the parking lot ministry, and the ushers, and the greeters, if it be Quest, or, or Res Kids, if it be the sound, or the media, if it be Journey of Recovery, if it be Life Care, there are several things that make RLC what it is. But there's a group of people that are the backbone of RLC that most of us don't even consider. And I've learned a lot since December about them. It's our office staff. Our office staff, Mickey Reed and Kim Diskin and Tamara Alvarez-Rosier, they do unbelievable work behind the scenes that honestly you don't know about because it's done in that way that you just, you, you get to appreciate it without even knowing that it takes place. So it's really, really important that as you pray for the pastors and elders and all the ministries here, that you pray for our office staff because each day they see something different <laughs> and, and they're just going along with it. And it, it's not why, it's okay, I'll get it done. And I'm just grateful for you guys. Thank you very much. But it's something that everybody needs to be grateful for because it impacts all of us. So thank you very much to our office staff. It, you are greatly appreciated. Um, as Jordan said earlier, we were able to have the men's breakfast yesterday morning after a long time of being away from men's fellowship. Men's fellowship has been brought back together. John was able to take a quick video of, of what happened there yesterday. And it was just, honestly, a group of men sitting together just shooting a breeze. And you know what? Sometimes you got to do that. And some people were spilling their hearts out, and, and some people were just getting comfortable being there for the very first time. But I guarantee that if you made yourself available, you were blessed. If you weren't available for some reason or another, there's going to be more stuff to come. So thank you for the guys who attended. Most importantly, thank you for the people who planned it. And of course, let's give glory to God for the things that are going to happen because of it. All right? So this is just a start. Of, of what's to come, and we're excited for it. Um, also, you know, we get to see each and every week things that happen here at RLC, and, you know, we walk out, and we've talked about the flags for the last couple weeks and stuff, but there's six flags out there that represent world compassion. World compassion is led up by Jason Law, and we just received the video from him this week, so uh, he's got a message for, for all of y'all. That's my Texas coming out. Never lived there. 
So again, you're not just having an impact here at RLC, you're having an impact in Iran. Now, in, in my travels while I was a Marine, I got to travel all over the world. I never went to Iran. Thank goodness. And honestly, it's probably a place I wouldn't want to go, if I'm being real. But there's people who are there, and there's people who are doing the work. And we get to support them. But as we've, these last couple of weeks, as we've gone through and we've talked about the flags, we had Tony Cook here, and all the missionary work, and, and, and um, the coal brenners going out to Uganda and stuff like that, God has really, like, pricked at my heart. And I don't honestly know what it's about, and I'm going to be honestly super transparent with you. He said to me this, and, and just go with it and, and see if it works for you. God is doing amazing things in those places through the people who are there. It's really easy for you to sit in your seat and press a couple buttons and send some money out and take credit for what's happening over there. But then he reminded me of Acts 1.8, where it says this, But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now guess what? We're not going to Jerusalem, and we're not going to Samaria, and we're not going to Judea. But if you really know what the scripture means, your Jerusalem is right where you're at. Your Jerusalem is your Rome, your Utica, your Holland Patton, your Whitesboro, your Clinton, your workplace, your home. Are you being a missionary in those places? Because that's where God's got you. And honestly, it ripped my heart out. But you know what? I need to hear it. Because it's easy to press a few buttons and take credit for what other people are doing. I can sit in my chair. It doesn't bother me. I don't get my hands dirty. I don't got to get messy. I don't got to do anything. But I'm still called to do it in my Jerusalem. Right here. When I'm walking through the checkout line. When somebody's being nasty to me. When there's a police officer in the parking lot here. We can be missionaries anywhere. We don't have to go somewhere to do it. So please, just take it for what it's worth. All right? I know God spoke to me with it. And if he's speaking to me, I, chances are he's going to speak to somebody else with it. All right? So, so just chalk that one up. You know, I love when we show pictures and this stuff. But really, we got to see if we're doing the work. How are we doing with this? So before we jump into the message, now that I've created a bunch of ruffles, we're going to pray because we need it. Dear Lord, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you so much for who you are, the God of, of all, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, as we're here today, Lord, I ask that you give us ears to hear, hearts to learn. Lord, I ask that I be your mouthpiece, Lord, that only your words come out of me, Lord. And, and where I make a hiccup, Lord, you make a correction. Lord, I thank you for each person who's here, all those who are at home, and those who will hear this in the future, Lord that most importantly, your message go forth and that you be glorified. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and the honor and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So as I do, because I'm a teacher by trade, right? I teach high school PE at Holland Patton. That's, that's the, the job that, that God has gifted me with. And um, then he turned me into this, which only he can take credit for. Um, <clears throat> I often ask my students questions to start. And uh, the first question I'm going to, is, is how do you identify? How do you identify? Now, this is a cultural question right now. 
This is a very hot topic. You're hearing it. You might be squirming in your seat and say, oh, goodness, Pastor Jeff's not here. Where is he going today? Right? I've submitted myself to the Lord, and this is what he's given me. How do you identify? We already know that the culture has get us, as soon as we hear this, it's thrown our head into a different, a different place. All right? But today we're going we're gonna to talk about Psalms 37. All right, and important that we know prior to this what this is all about. So this is the topic here. Um, when we talk about Psalms 37 today, it's important to know who wrote it and why they wrote it. All right, there are 150 Psalms. Okay, there's one man who's credited for over 73 of them. Right, and then the rest are like scattered out there. So the one who's credited for over 73, most likely 75, is King David. And that's where this came from, all right? So as we speak today, we're going to be coming from the vantage point of King David. And most importantly, we want to know why he wrote this, right? And he wrote it because there's an age-old question out there that comes, why do wicked seem to prosper when the righteous suffer? How many of us have asked that? Why do bad things happen to good people? We see it all the time. We ask that question. I've asked it several times. But what we got to remember is there's another side to the story. There's an enemy who's out there to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? So, as we continue, I'm quite sure that we've asked ourselves these questions on several different occasions. But as I said, we're going to step right into Psalms 37 this morning. And, and this is really where it starts at. It says, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. How many of us have done that before? Right? I'm like, how did that person get that? Then I go, they don't deserve that. And then goes, well, why do you? <laughs> right? For like grass, they will soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they will soon wither. Right? Now, how many people have seen that person prosper for doing the wrong thing? And then slowly or quickly, just seen it, the, the bottom drop out of it. That's where, not that we can get joy, but this is where we know that doing the right thing does pay off. Because guess what? We're not all withered up. We're still sticking with it, right? So there is some importance to this. Right here, if we choose to, to read King David's advice, life just got a lot simpler for us. We can do a whole lot less complaining because we know the answer. It's not going to last. And really, what we do here on earth, other than take people to his kingdom, isn't going to last. Right? So as we jump into this a little bit further, we're going to look at verse 4, which is really where we're going to do a lot of the focus today, where it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. How many people have heard this before? All right? How many people love this? You might not love it by the end of the day. <laughs> I'm being really, really honest with you. Okay? As we go through, it, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. We know this is a familiar scripture, but after today, my goal is that you have a whole new understanding and new value of what it is in your life. Before we get deeper into this scripture, there's something that we must do first. All right? We must look at the also. 
Delight yourself also in the Lord. So this is the second thing that we got to do because there's an also. So there must be a first. Right? So as we backtrack and we look at what Psalms 37.3 says, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the lands and feed on his faithfulness. So really what it comes down to, before we can, before we can delight ourselves in him, we must trust him. And I don't know about you, but it's hard to trust people. I'm watching a lot of heads shake out there. All right? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. So what does this mean? I would believe that the first part of trusting in the Lord is trusting in him for salvation. For him to be the king and kings, the Lord and Lord of your life. For him to be your eternal father. For me, that didn't happen until I was 25 years old. So it's never too late. It's never too early. It'll happen in God's time. All right? Believing and trusting in God that God sent Jesus to live and die on earth to die for your sins so that you could put your trust in him and have eternal communion and fellowship with God in heaven. That's what the trusting part comes to. Now there's other aspects of it, but it's got to start there. Other parts of trusting the Lord is for your provision, for your healing, for your health, for your unconditional love, trusting him with the plans and purposes for your life, trusting that he can provide wisdom in all circumstances. But if you can't trust him as your heavenly father, then sure as heck you can't trust him for your provision. If you can't trust him for your eternal father, it's really hard to trust him with your health. If you can't trust him for, as your eternal father, it's really hard to trust him for the food that's on your table or the job that you're hoping to get or the house that he's supposed to provide. When you can believe in him and trust in him for eternity, then all those things make it a whole lot easier. I say it this way. I can try to please my wife. All right? But if I please God, I will please my wife. I can try to please all of you, but I'm going to be a really, really busy person. But if I please God, I should be pleasing all of you. Right? We can make this life a whole lot easier it is. And we really need to focus on that. All these things become a lot easier when it starts with trust in God. In order for our bodies to work the way they are, our physical bodies, right, we must eat right and maintain them. But here we get what we need to do to trust. We need to feed on his faithfulness. Right? We eat and we exercise to maintain this. But to get this trust, we must feed on his faithfulness. And what is that? Reflecting and having gratitude for all the things he's done for us. For me, one, it comes back to saving me. Right? Two, giving me my wife. Giving me my family. Right? Three, healing. I can't even say how many people of, of what they've gone through or been through. Right? When you look at all the rocks of faithfulness in your life, it's really easy to have trust in God because you've seen what he's done and believe that he can do it again. 
Did you hear me? You've seen what he's done or what he's did and believe that he can do it again. Now, you might not have seen it in your eyes, but you have may read it in the Bible. Oh, but it's on paper, and how can I believe it? He raised Lazarus from the dead. He's raising people from the dead today. Do you believe it? That's what it comes down to. you got to make what's on the pages come off and come to life. you got to chalk it up, what's going on in your life, and, t- and give the credit to God so that when you are down and out, you can feed on his faithfulness of what he's done before and believe that he, if he did it then, he can do it again. It's that important. Let's remember what the scripture says, though. When we feed on his faithfulness, it doesn't stop the enemy. The enemy still is going to come in and kill and steal and destroy. So we have to continue to build and feed and exercise and trust so that this can't get stolen from us. The enemy is a joy, faith, and trust stealer. How many have experienced that in our lives? We all have. It's all he wants to do. Come in and rip it out. I came in this morning, and I had to teach. And I had known I had to teach for over a month, and I was well prepared. But I came in this morning, and there was a hiccup in the church. There was something that wasn't supposed to be there doing what it wasn't supposed to be doing. And it was making a mess. And the enemy tried to come in and steal my joy and steal my trust and steal my faith in him. I said, nope, we got this. Went and got a vacuum, called somebody up, worked at it, and you know what? It'll get taken care of. Enemy ain't going to take that. He ain't going to steal that. He wanted to come in and destroy me this morning so I couldn't give you what you're supposed to get. Honestly, that's the way he works. If we're not going with God, then he's not going to attack us and he's not going to come after us. Because we're worthless. But when you're in God's word and you're walking his path and you're there, he's going to come because he doesn't want you to give what you're supposed to give. It's real. We experience it all the time. We've got to notice it. In our daily task, we must stay strong in the Lord because the enemy is out there. If we submit to God by trusting him, we can resist the enemy and the enemy will flee. That's what the scripture says. So that's what we need to remember, is we need to trust, submit, and when we do that, that allows us to resist. And when we resist, the enemy's going to run away because he don't want to fight. He just wants somebody he can walk over. Right? Something else that we really need to uh, identify is our feelings aren't facts. Our feelings aren't facts. We can feel up, we can feel down. I'll give you a great example. I watch the Super Bowl. If my team's in it, I can be, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Oh my goodness, what just happened? And my emotions run all over the place. It's all feeling-based. None of them are facts because they change. All right? So how do you identify? What do you identify with? Do you identify with the, your feelings? Or do you identify with the facts? And I'm not talking about the facts from social studies class or math class. I'm talking about the facts of the Bible. The only truth that there is. The truth that will sustain you. 
Do you identify with your feelings which change at a moment's notice? Think about it. You can receive a phone call, right? Even better yet, think about this. I can be in an argument with my wife. Blah, 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 blah. My phone rings. Hello. How you doing? Right? I can hang up and go blah, 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 blah all over again. My feelings just changed. They're not factual. Right? We can be up and we can be down. What do you identify with? They change at a moment's notice. Or do you identify with your faith, which is built on a firm foundation, which are the facts? Which will not fall, will not crumble in situation or circumstance. We get bad news and everything changes. But what are the facts? What are the facts? The thing is, is we got to have the facts inside of us so that when these situations and circumstances come at us, we got something to stand on. We are not our feelings. We are not lonely and we are not ugly. We are the facts. When you're feeling ugly, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the fact. When you feel ugly, you need to remember what the fact says. It says you were made in the image of God and that you are his masterpiece. That is the fact. But our world says that we got to get caught up in our feelings. And our feelings are like this and they're like this and they're like this and they're over here. And we don't know who we are. We don't know what I identify with. But if we choose to stick just to the facts, just to the foundation of the Bible, it's right there in front of us. And it makes life a whole lot easier. We need to put our feelings aside, put them to rest, rely on the facts. And most of you guys know this, just the facts, please. That's some like Bernie Fife Mooney, isn't it? Something like that. We need to be present in God's faithfulness and feed off it to sustain us when we're feeling tired or the enemy's trying to overwhelm us. Look at God's promises. Don't look at the problems. Pastor Jeff says it best. Pray the promise. Don't pray the problem. Believe it or not, God already knows the problem. What promise do you know so that you can counteract the problem? So now that we know what the also is about in this scripture here, right? Trusting in the Lord and feeding off his faithfulness. Now we can look at Psalms 37, 4, just a little bit deeper. Delight yourself also in the Lord. We know what that also means now, right? So we must trust so that we can delight. All right. <clears throat> now that I don't claim to be this strong, brazing man, but I can say this. I don't use the word delight a whole lot. I don't. I've probably used it more today than I've ever used it in my life. And as I was doing this, I was like, I don't even know what this means. So I had to look it up and see, right? So delight means to have a high degree of gratification or pleasure. Extreme satisfaction. Now I want you to think about it. All right? We use words like love. I love my dog. I love chicken wings. I love a cold soda. I love my wife. I love Jesus. See what I'm saying? All right? We talk about this word delight here, right? 
a high degree of gratification, pleasure, extreme satisfaction, great pleasure and joy in. That's what delight is. I delight in my wife. That's a whole different thing. All right? And as I said, I can delight my wife because I've been with her for 21 years. Married. Right? And longer. But what's happened there? I've had to trust her. And as I trust her, I get to learn more about her. And as I get to learn more about her, I get to be more satisfied. And as I become more satisfied, I become more gracious. And as I become more gracious, I get to know her more. That's here on earth. If we change this puzzle and change this to God, what just happened? We've got the answer, right? So we should delight in his presence. There's no way I could know her the way I do if I didn't spend time with her those 21 years. All right? Now, when I spend time with God, I get the same thing. So this is something that doesn't just come. We must make time for it. I don't get to know my wife by just being there. I got to get to know her. In the same way, we don't get to know God by just being with him. We got to get to know him. So when we delight in the Lord, we must spend more time with him. We must know more about him by spending time with God. But it's very, very difficult in this busy world. Everything tries to bombard us. So instead of just spend time with him, it really changes. When you look at Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I like the way it's said in the, in the Passion Translation. This is the same scripture, just given a different way. So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Above all, seek first. This is the way we get to know God. By putting him first, not in one thing, but putting him first in everything. Like I said earlier, if I please God, I please all of you. It makes the, the puzzle really easy. Above all, there is nothing more important. When we seek God first, we begin to realize that there is very little value in anything else. One of the ways to delight ourselves in the Lord is by seeking him and spending time with him. Now, I want to take you back to your childhood, right? How many of us in here played hide-and-seek? <laughs> right? You, right now, you're just going, I remember that one time where I hid so well and somebody came out and looked for me, right? Hide-and-seek, you seek until you find. You just don't go out for a minute or two. You go seek that and look for that person until you find them and get them unless it's your little brother or your sister, and you just don't look for them, and you let them sit there as long as they can. <laughs> right? We've all done that. You know it, you know it, you know it. Right? Guess what? God's not hiding. He's not hiding. We don't got to go tear the place apart looking for him. We just really got to make time and show up. But really what we think is he's hiding from us. 
We're not worthy to go after him. Why would he want to talk to me? I don't deserve it. That's a lie. It's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie, and don't believe it. Really what he is, is he's one turn away. All I got to do is turn to him, and he's going to be right there. But we got to believe it. As I said, God's not seeking. Our seek is making ourselves available to him. I didn't say fitting him in. I've been very guilty of that. I've got this amount. I got this time. I can, I can read my Bible right here. I can't spend any longer if he tells me. I, I, this time right here. It's not about fitting him in. It's about making time for him. And he asks for more, giving it to him. Delighting in the Lord starts with spending time in his word, through prayer, through fasting, through worship, and also by serving him. It's immersing yourself in him. Then you will be able to feed off his faithfulness and build your trust in him. So delighting in him comes back to one thing, trust. Have you ever had a person you just couldn't trust? Now, you all got this reference point, too. That person, I can't trust him. You might not tell him, but you know. I can't trust them. How far did that relationship go? Not that far at all. Our relationships are built on trust. So when we can trust in the Lord, then we can delight in the Lord. But first, we must be able to trust in him. You can't delight on something you can't trust. We must trust the Lord and believe his word, which is the only real truth that we have and the only thing we can stand on. The second part of Psalms 37, 4 says, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. How many people, this is your favorite part? <laughs> Watch out. We love this part of scripture. However, it's one of the most misused parts of Scripture there is in the Bible. Horns, sirens, big blazing signs, whatever I could do right now, I'd tell you to be alert. Because I'm going to tell you a story that just happened to me. And I want you to learn from it and not make the same mistake I did. God is not a genie in a, bobble, in a bottle. He's not a Christina Aguilera song. He's not going to grant you three wishes. Really, all right? As many of you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor. I wear several different hats God's gifted and blessed me with. One of the things I am is I'm able to coach triathletes, all right? Cassie Winter, who usually sits in the third seat right now, she's probably on mile 45 of Ironman Lake Placid right now. She's already swam 2.4 miles this morning. She's about 50 miles in the bike ride. She's still got 60 miles ahead of her, and then she's going to run a marathon. So if you want to pray for somebody today, you can pray for her. She'll appreciate it, all right? But I've had the opportunity to coach her and several other triathletes over probably the last 10 years. And they always come to me and they say, if I'm going to hire you as a coach, what can you give me that some other coach can't give me? And really what I tell them is this. You can learn from my mistakes. When you learn from the mistakes that I made, we can progress further and we can get farther and we can get better because we don't have to go through all that garbage. 
And most of the time, that's the selling point. People don't want to make mistakes, but we would love to learn at somebody else's expense. So that's what I offer them. All right? So today, that's what I'm offering you. Learn from my mistake. Okay? So that you can progress further and get farther and know more about God than I did so that you don't have to fail and get really, really humbled as he did to me. So one of the other hats that I wear, many of you know, is I officiate high school and college lacrosse. All right? I love lacrosse. I've played since the fifth grade. It's something I enjoy. I don't play anymore. I, then I coached. When I was a coach, I was a really, really bad coach. Um, not on the, well, yes, on the field, but coaching makes me into somebody that I don't want to be. That's the only way I can say it. I'm very competitive. I, yeah, I'm not a nice person. So I got out of coaching. <laughs> Who said I'm not a nice person? I got out of coaching and started officiating because I love the game. And I still wanted to be around it. And I still think there's something that I contribute to it. Right? So over the years that I've been able to officiate, you know, people are like, it's stressful, isn't it? It is stressful. I'm out there with the best kids in the country, the best coaches in the country. And, but the way I look at it is it's two hours where I detach from the world. I don't think about anything else than what's going on in the field. And you know what? Sometimes that's okay. Where we just got to take our mind off of everything that's going on. I can deal with a coach yelling at me. I can deal with a player yelling at me. But honestly, I will tell you this. I have some of the best conversations with God when I'm reffing. God, please give me wisdom. Please help me have good judgment. Please keep me safe. Honestly, and these are conversations that happen right in the middle of the field. All right? So it's a place where I'm, honestly, I got to trust him. All right? But in my competitive spirit, God has taught me a great lesson this last year. See, at the end of the college season, there's a postseason. There's the national championship tournament. All right? And as a referee or an official, it's your goal to get to that tournament. Right? You want to officiate the best games there's going to be. So we were told at the end of the season that on Sunday night, we were told that by Wednesday, we would receive an assignment if we got selected into the national tournament. Now, I had been in the national tournament last year, all right, and didn't expect to, but thought that I had a good chance to get in again this year, um, that the opportunity arise. But as Monday went and Tuesday went, you know, like when you're waiting on a deadline, you get a little anxious, right? You get a little, is this going to happen or is this not going to happen? So they told us that we'd know by Wednesday. So Wednesday, what do you think I did? I checked my phone, I checked my email about 500 times, and nothing. And like late at night, 11.30, I look at Becky and I'm like, that's it. I didn't get it. I didn't have it. How dare they? What I, I'm not good enough. That's what I told myself. Lots of feelings there, right? Feelings aren't facts. Oh, where'd you learn that? Right? <laughs> exactly. So what did I do? I used Psalm 37.4. And I said, God. I've been faithful to you for years. I work in Quest. I serve in the church. I read my Bible. 
I pray, I fast. How come you're not going to give me the delight of my heart? And then it came, and he punched me. He didn't just give me a jab. He gave me an uppercut, and he knocked the wind right out of me. And I'm not even joking to you. He said, I don't give you the delight of your heart. I don't give you a wife. I don't give you a house. I don't give you your kids. I don't give you your health. I don't give you your finances. I don't give you the delight of your heart. Remember, Jesus flipped tables. God can get mad. And especially when you're going to use his word against him. He crushed me. He absolutely hammered me. He said, you know what? You want a little blue patch. You want a little blue patch that's going to set you apart. When really, I'm the only thing that's going to set you apart. That's it. You don't need anything else. And he crushed me. And I learned from it. And the only reason I share that story with you today is because I want you not to have to go through what I went through. And I want us to learn. I have always provided for you. I came to understand that the little blue patch was a want. It wasn't a desire. It was something that would fulfill me for a short time. It was a simple want or it was a need. The patch was not a desire that I would long after for, that would have a longevity in my life. These are two completely different things. Wants come and go. They are pretty much an impulse need. Think about this. We've all drive by McDonald's or an ice cream stand, and our kids or ourselves have said, I want a hamburger. I want an ice cream. But if you don't give it to them, three blocks later, they forgot about it. There's no longevity to it. Desires are much different. Desires are worth longing for, and they have longevity. Please learn from my example. God is not a genie. It's not about three wishes. He is a God that gives us all we need every single time. But this is how good he is. He's got a sense of humor too. Because after I learned this lesson on Wednesday night and Thursday morning, Thursday evening I received the email that said I got into the tournament. The email that I had given up on, the lesson that I had learned, he still loved me enough to give it to me. So I got the opportunity to, to officiate along with, you know, other people who go to this church officiate in the national tournament. But that's how much he loves us. He's not going to waste a teachable moment if we make ourselves available to him. Earlier today, I said feelings aren't facts. This story is a great example of that. I went from anxious and nervous to waiting for the game, to disappointed when I didn't get it and it didn't show up, to feeling guilty 
to questioning God, to being humbled when he loved me enough, even after questioning, that he gave me what I wanted. How do you identify? Do you identify with your feelings? Or do you identify with the facts? Because really, if I just would have hung on to the facts, I would have known that God loves me and that he has a perfect plan and purpose for my life and everything else would have been taken care of. Just the facts. Just the facts, please. So if desires of my heart are not my wants and my needs, then what are they? We can figure this out through Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior or customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's delighting. Let God transform you, changing the way you think, pleasing and perfect, which is delighting. When we delight in the Lord by trusting him and worshiping him and praying to him and fasting and serving him, we begin to transform ourselves into a new person. Our desires will shift from ours to God's desires for us. There's a big difference. They'll change from our desires to God's desires for us, which means putting him first. As we trust God and experience his faithfulness, we'll have great desire to live in obedience to his commands. As we delight in the Lord, we begin to see people as he does. We offer new mercies. We give more grace as we serve his people. How many of you would agree with this statement? What you surround yourself with rubs off on you. We, can all, we all know it. If I'm a lacrosse coach, something rubs off on me. It's not good. So I need to stay away from it. You need to know where you're healthy and your good places are. If we're spending time in the gym, we're going to start to walk like the people in the gym. We're going to start to talk like the people in the gym. We're start going to eat like the people in the gym. We're going to start to do the things that people do in the gym. If we decide that we're going to delight in the Lord, then we're going to start to walk like the Lord, and we're going to start to talk like the Lord, and we're going to start to serve like the Lord, and we're going to start to love like the Lord. Who you hang around rubs off on you. It's just easily said, just like John the Baptist said it, less of me and more of you. Take the me out and put you in but I've got to make myself available to it by trusting and delighting in him. A transformation will begin to take place and our motives for fulfilling our wants and needs will start to be, start to be replaced with the desires to be obedient to God and do what he has for us, which above all is the best thing for us. Let's look at a biblical example of someone who delighted in the Lord and what happened to them. It's not just good that you learn from me. I'm the relatable person that you can put see and I have skin, right? We can learn from the things that I bring into my story from the Bible, but it's really important that we have a relatable resource within the Bible where they see these same things so that you can say, oh, this isn't just him. This is the truth, all right? So this biblical um, Bible um, example most of you may know of, 
It's a, it's a person you maybe are familiar with. It's Mary. Now look, there's, there's a lot of Marys in the Bible. All right, it's important that we know which Mary we're talking about. All right, this is Mary, sister to Martha, sister to Lazarus. Okay, which is not Mary, Mary, Jesus' mom, right? Now there's a little conflict if it's really Mary Magdalene or not. That's a whole other thing, okay? But we're just sticking to the facts here. We know that she was sister to Lazarus and sister to Martha, all right? And we can learn a lot from her in two very short stories, all right? So as the scripture comes up, don't worry about all the words here or anything like this. Just this sets the tone. That's why it's got more on it than I'd like. But it says, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed, them, welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became aspirated whatever that word is, with finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, right, because we know better, Lord, don't you think this is unfair? How many people said that before? That's not fair. Guess what? Life's not fair. Right? Lord, don't you think this is unfair? That my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. <laughs> I don't know. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, right? That's like when your parents call you by your middle name. <laughs> Martha, my beloved Martha. Jeremy Sean. Yes, same exact thing. Why are you upset and troubled? Pulled away by all these many distractions. Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. What can we learn here? Martha did not choose the delight. Mary did. And Mary's the one who was the benefactor. When we delight in the Lord, he's going to be there for us. But this just sets the tone for what happens further. Right? Similar to our lives today, these two sisters had choices to make. Right? We have a choice to make in everything we do. Martha chose to be busy and distracted and miss out. Who can relate? Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and delighted in him as the one was the one who was rewarded by hearing Jesus' words firsthand, which helped her to build a trust and faith in him to lead to knowing who he is which leads to obedience and wanting to delight in him even more. Another occasion we see Mary delight in the Lord in a different way, this may be a story that's familiar to you, is in Mark 14, where it says, Meanwhile, this is a little bit later, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper. During supper, a woman came to him with a beautiful flask of expensive perfume. Then breaking the seal, she poured it over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant among themselves about this waste, as they called it. Why sh she could have sold the perfume for a fortune and given the money to the poor, they snarled. Go on, John. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why berate her for doing a good thing? 
You always have the poor among you, and they badly need help. You can aid them whenever you want, but I won't be here much longer. Goes on to say, she has done what she could and has anointed my body ahead of the time of burial. And I tell you this solemn truth, that wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered in praise. Now there's a lot there. We're going to go through it, right? Because Mary's time in delighting in Jesus, the very first time, right, when the two sisters were there, she understood who he was more. So when she had another opportunity, she anoints him with this expensive perfume. Now I don't know if you really know what this expensive perfume is. Some people say it's nard, it's perfume. Plain and simple, guess what? Think of your salary for one year. That's what this was worth. There is a lot of value to it, right? And that's what we can see questioned at the table there. Because of Mary delighting in Jesus and seeing his faithfulness, because of her devotion, she gave it all by pouring the perfume on Jesus' feet. How many people like feet? All right. I don't like feet. How many people, when you think about it, think about Jesus' feet? Now, Jesus was perfect, don't get me wrong, but I'm sure that as he walked around in his sandals on dirty roads, along with donkeys and everything else, his feet were probably not as nice as some of your feet who go get pedicures and everything like that. As I said, my wife and I have been married for 21 years. This week was our anniversary. You've heard this a couple times today. Thursday night, after we went to dinner, we were sitting there, and she put her feet in front of me. At home, at home, not at dinner. At home. <laughs> at home. She put her feet in front of me. And this is something she tries to do on occasion, and usually I just push her feet away. But it was our anniversary, and I wanted to show her that, honestly, I delighted in her. So I massaged her feet. <laughs> You're all looking at me totally different right now, <laughs> right? Feet aren't the first thing that people want to touch. When you go to a new baby, the first thing you don't go to is the feet, even though they're clean, right? I'm not going to say they're not adorable, but it's not the first thing you go to on a clean, brand-new baby. Now we go to an adult. Mark, face up here, you got to see it. I wish I had a camera. He's like, Ugh. Everybody's got that snaggly tooth and everything, that snaggly nail that's out there, you know, that nail that's half fallen off. Feet aren't the most precious thing there are. They help us get where we got to get to, but I don't know too many people who want to hang around feet. But Mary took the perfume and she broke it and she poured it over his head and she wiped it on his feet because of the experience she had with him at the other house, where she sat at his feet and delighted in him. She decided that she was going to anoint him. Mary chose to delight herself in the Lord, gave her insider information. Think about this. 
right? When we look at this, Mary had insider information. Do you know that as you spend time with the Lord, he will reveal things to you that aren't seen yet? All right? Example, many years ago when I was here at church, you know, I felt the calling to, uh, I walked into Pastor Gabe's office and I said, you know what, I think it's time that, I think God's telling me I got to take over Quest. And he goes, well, what took you so long? <laughs> he saw it before I saw it in myself. It's called revelation knowledge, all right? But when we look at this here, Mary received revelation knowledge. She has done what she could do and has anointed my body ahead of my time of burial. Jesus had already revealed to her that it was time. How many people want insider information? If it comes to stocks and bonds, you're all about it. Right? How many of us want God's insider information? How many of us want that revelation knowledge of what's going to happen before it happens? Now, I'm not saying he's, uh, uh, you know, you're reading your mind or anything like that, but he will reveal things to you if you spend time with him. When you delight in him, he's going to bring things out that you haven't seen before. He's going to allow you to see the people that you're in a whole new way. But it's because we trust in him and we feed off his faithfulness and know that he's got works all things for good that we can do that. Jesus did predict his death publicly, but as we've seen, Mary knew in verse 7 and 8 what seemed to be that the time was coming. When we spend time with God, he may be showing you things and giving you new ideas and perspective that you've never seen before. Plain and simple. When we delight in the Lord, I'm not going to say anything is possible. I'm going to say everything is possible. We limit ourselves to anything. When really the God of the world got everything for us. But it's only through spending time with him, delighting ourselves in him, trusting him, seeking him, putting him first, that we can experience it. Because I can tell you, I've been on both things. I've been all in, all like saturated, and I've been that little toe in and everything else out. And when the little toe's in and everything's out, I'm not getting everything. But when I'm in it, I'm getting everything he's got for me. And that's what he wants for all of us. That's his only desire, is that we get that. The second thing we get here is when we delight in the Lord, he, she received revelation knowledge, but there's something else that comes, which is really, really cool. As we see in verse 9, is that up there? Yeah. Oh, actually, there's, there's something there. Before we get there, all right, there's two times here. Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet the first time. The sister, the sister criticized, and then what happens? Jesus defends. Here, Judas criticizes. 
that perfume could have been sold for dollars and dollars and dollars and we could have gave it to the poor. Jesus defends. He says, he says it right there. I tell you the truth that she's done what she's called to do. And most importantly, what it comes down to, when you honor God and you delight in him, he's going to use you. All right, as we can see in verse 9, I tell you this solemn truth that wherever God's, or excuse me, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and praised. I'm talking about it today. I'm talking about it today because of what she did 2,000 years ago. When you're faithful, he's going to use you. Your truth, your story is going to be used somewhere else. Hers is documented and still used today. Not just by me. It's used by ministers all over the world. This is a very well-known story. But because she chose the delight, she was rewarded. When you delight in the Lord, you will be rewarded with peace and joy and happiness. All these things. You'll start to be transformed from who you are to who he has for you to be. When you delight in him, you'll put him first. You put his ideas over yours. <clears throat> so today we've covered a lot of information, right? But really here are the big takeaways. To truly delight in the Lord, you must trust in the Lord and feed off his faithfulness. Remember all the good he's done with you. So when you're down in the pit, you can say he's taken me out of the pit before and he's going to put me right back where I belong. This person's sick, he's healed this person. I had pennies, he's still provided, he's going to do it again. You must feed off his faithfulness, what he's done in your life and the lives of others, and most importantly, by what's in the word, and trust it. We must seek. We must seek his kingdom first and above all else. We can go to Google and Goddle and WebMD and every other place you want to go. There's only one place that's got the facts. Just the facts, please. And that's the Bible. One-stop shop. We make it really hard. We go everywhere we got to go to try to get the answer. When really, seek him first, just go straight to the word. But that takes work, Pastor Jeremy. It does. But I'll tell you what. The work's worth it. The work's worth it. You know, people are like, my wife, she's, as I said, she's awesome, but she's like, you're going to mow the lawn? I'm like, I'm going to mow the lawn. She's like, I'll mow. I'm like, no, I'm good. She's like, you just want to get away from the kids. Sometimes she's right. <laughs> but really, who likes the satisfaction of accomplishing a job? Right? When I see my lawn mowed and everything the way that I, and I don't garden, I mow. All right, I don't know the difference between a weed and what grass is. I just know that there is long grass, there's short grass, it all looks the same. There's nice little lines, you know, not as good as Tom Hawkins' son's lines, right? True story, Tommy Little Hawkins came to my house to mow my lawn one day, and he was laying on the ground. I thought he was dead. He was looking at the lines, making sure he mowed them straight. True story. True story. <laughs> no joke whatsoever. I was like, you all right? He's like, just making sure the lines are good. You want somebody to mow your lawn like that, 
right? But I mow my lawn, and it's not perfect, but I get satisfaction out of a, out of a job, right? You will receive satisfaction if you don't know what the word says and you get into the word and figure out what it says and then he does what it says. You will get satisfaction. You will get delight. It will build your faith. It will build your trust and you'll be able to delight in him more. The work is worth it. Right? How many people want ragu and how many people want homemade sauce? The work is worth it. Read your Bible, dig in, see what it's got to say, get what it says. The work is worth it. But it's work. But I don't know how to do it. <coughs> Have you asked somebody? Because there's plenty of people here who would help you. I'm going to die. <coughs> don't want me to die. So seek first his kingdom above all else. Allow our desires to be transformed into his desires for us. We all have aspirations, and the Bible says that we can plan, right? But don't let your plans get in the way of his purpose. Don't let your plans get in the way of his purpose for you. And are you willing to put your plans aside to fulfill his purpose for you, more importantly? Allow your desires to be transformed into his desires for you. What's God got for me? Have you asked him? God, what do you have for me? Now, he's not just going to jump out and, and tell you. you got to delight in him to figure it out. Right? But honestly, some of us don't want to know. You don't want to know. Because it's scary. If God would have told me 25 years ago I would be standing up here preaching to you, I would have walked away. Walked right out the door. But little by little, like an onion, he started just a little bit. And it got a little stinkier, and my eyes started to water a little bit more. <laughs> and they started to water because I realized that he could use this guy, who I thought was nobody, and he could use me to be obedient and teach his word, that he saw enough value in me. Let yourself become an onion and just let him peel little pieces of you away. Let him to reveal, right? Does anybody want to eat the outside of the onion? You want to eat the inside, right? I don't even eat onions. I'm just, you don't want to eat the outside. You want to eat the inside. But it takes work to get there. Let him get to the inside of you and really reveal what he can do, where the best parts are. And lastly, we under, need to understand that our feelings are not our facts. Let's start to identify when our feelings are starting to take over and replace them with a fact. Start to bury God's word inside you so when something rises up, you can counteract that right away. I'm not feeling good. What scripture goes with that? I'm ugly. What's, I'm lonely. How do you replace it? Replace it with the truth. That's the only way there is. So if you're here with us today and you've realized or you're online with us and you realize that your devotion towards Christ is lacking and that you're walking in your desires and not God's today, today's a great opportunity to change that. We've learned that first and foremost, the way to change this is by putting our trust in the Lord and that is by salvation, making Jesus Lord of our life. Having a personal relationship with Christ and having the Holy Spirit among us, 
will separate our feelings from facts that help us delight in the Lord and fulfill his purpose and his desires for us. For those in the sanctuary and those at home, if you just bow your heads, we're going to pray together. This is a prayer of salvation for those who don't know God but want to put their trust in him. If there's any of you here today, I ask that you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. If you're at home, we ask that you uh, pray this and then go on our website and just fill out a thing. If you just please repeat after me. Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I recognize my need for forgiveness and I surrender my life to you today. I accept Jesus into my heart as Lord and Savior. Please show me your desires for me and help me become the person you have for me to be. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, like I said, if that's you today, you're here and, and you've never said a salvation prayer today, you know, before, please see one of the ushers, please see myself so that we can get you in the right direction. If you're at home, you can go to the RLC website, um, go to the comments page, let us know. You can leave your name and information there if you'd like to contact us. But if you're here today and this really struck you, right? I'm struggling. I want my desires to become your desires, Lord. You know, with all heads bowed and, and eyes closed. If that's you, I just ask that you raise your hand. We're just going to pray for the people who are in this room. If that's you, your, your desires, you just want to throw them away and, and you want to walk God's path for you. Thank you. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for, for those who have identified, Lord, that they want more of you. Just as John the Baptist said, Lord, less of me and more in you, Lord. I ask, Lord, that they, each one of them, have the confidence, Lord, and, and trust in you, Lord, to walk the ways that you have from the walk. Lord, I ask that they grow in, in deeper devotion with you, Lord, that you rekindle a flame in them that may be extinguished or just, just burning it a little bit. Lord, I ask that you light an inferno in them, Lord, that they spend time with you through prayer and supplication. Lord, that they, they, they get into the word, Lord, and not just read it for, for words value, Lord, but they study it to make themselves known to you. Lord, and we just thank you for what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, and just the stories and testimonies that will come out of it. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here today. Have a great week. Enjoy yourselves. You are dismissed.